Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control from Happy Mammoth. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including Estro Control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. And look, it is the holiday season. I hope that you have turned off your email notifications. You put up your away message, or maybe you didn't put up your away message. You just said, look, I ain't, I'm just not gonna, I'm just done. (laughs) If you are so privileged to be able to take time off, I hope that you're taking the time off. It's really easy for us to continue this tradition of just production. Because internalized capitalism is a disease. Um, But I'm telling y'all, look outside. Okay, look outside. If there was ever a time to practice self-care and prioritizing yourself, prioritizing your family, prioritizing your loved ones, now is that time. All right. It's important that you um, in this season, frankly, in all seasons, that you're always looking to prioritize yourself and your loved ones. These institutions are institutions for a reason. They don't need you. They don't need your backbreaking labor at every minute of every day to survive. They will continue to permutate and take care of themselves. But you, you need more. So make sure if you can, that you're closing your laptop and taking a break. I hope that you're not even listening to this while you work. Cause a lot of y'all hit me. I listen to this while I'm working. It gets me through the day. I'm, and I'm, that's on. I'm honored by that. That's a beautiful thing. I hope you're listening to this like on your phone while you're like chilling. 
right? Or driving somewhere, right? Like, take a break. Um, to that end, I told y'all we'd have some guests coming back um, that we've had on, you know, earlier this year. I'm really thankful for the fact that we're able to have Mariah Driver, um, who's the the head of uh, diversity, equity, inclusion at Webflow. Look, um, we had a really great conversation, very intentional, just like her review of Webflow and the, what they've learned and what she's learned as a, a DEI professional, where she sees the space going. And then, you know, we also talked a little bit about um, commitments. And as we think about 2022, she flipped the script on me a little bit. So we had a really interesting uh, conversation towards the end, which I really appreciated her challenging me. Um, and encouraging me. So look, we're going to listen to this discussion. I'm sorry. We're going to tap in to this discussion with Mariah, but not before we tap in with Tristan. So I'll see you in a minute. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's discuss why you're meeting more and what to do about it. While there have been reports that working from home has increased overall productivity, there needs to be a more nuanced analysis. According to the Harvard Business School, the average workday for someone who works from home has increased by 8.2% or 48.5 minutes. Remote work has increased the number of meetings on everyone's calendars contributing to those longer workdays. A report from Reclaim.ai found that workers now spend 25.3% more time in meetings compared to February 2020. Furthermore, the report also found that employees spend 308.8% more time in one-on-one -on -one meetings. Another interesting fact that came out of the report is that these meetings were rescheduled 42.4% of the time and canceled 29.6% of the time. While that seems like a simple task, it has a significant impact on productivity and employee happiness. So the question is, what can we do? The first thing you can do is to try and reduce the number of one-on-one -on -one meetings that you put on your and your coworkers' calendars. Utilize messaging and collaboration tools like Slack to conduct follow-ups and provide updates. Incorporate project management tools like Trello, ClickUp, or Monday.com to track project status and hold yourself and your coworkers accountable. Another thing you can do is to ensure your meeting does not run over. I suggest setting a timer for five minutes less than the length of your meeting to provide you and whomever you're meeting with time to wrap up and ensure everyone has their takeaways. When the first timer goes off, remember to set another timer for five minutes to ensure you always end the meeting on time. Something else that I found helpful in cutting back on meetings or the length of meetings is reverting back to phone calls or conference calls for meetings that don't require the attendees or me to share our screens. The meetings tend to be shorter and participants tend to be more engaged. Lastly, if you must meet on Zoom, try to turn off your webcam if you're able to and your workplace allows. A four-week study done by the University of Arizona Eller College of Management found that people were more likely to focus on the content of meetings when the webcam was turned off. They found that when the cameras were on, attendees were more likely to concentrate on their own faces and expressions rather than the content of the meeting. Try to do your part to decrease the number of meetings on everyone's calendars. Before scheduling a meeting, ask yourself, is this meeting necessary? What am I trying to accomplish? And are there alternative ways for me to convey or seek out this information? This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn.
Mariah Driver, what's going on? What is going on? I am happy to be here. Happy to be back. Yo, so first of all, it was so dope. Like we had our first conversation. I was so encouraged and I was and I was frankly refreshed at how free you were, you know what I'm saying, in our conversation, just keeping it at a thousand. You know what I mean? I just you know, so many times and not I'm not gonna say so many times, but people come up here really nervous, right? And they don't necessarily mm-hmm. wanna like just really talk about what's going on at their company or in their own just journey. And so I appreciate like your your willingness to be vulnerable, transparent. It really made for a great conversation. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for creating the space for it. I think, um, you know, DEI practitioners, a lot of people expect our jobs to be closer to what a PR person does. But I think that the most effective DEI practitioners are not trying to convince anyone of anything. Um, They are, we owe it to the people who work for us and the people who are, you know, potentially wanting to come work for the companies we work for and our leaders to be honest about what's happening and be transparent about what we're doing about what's happening and, you know, making sure we're listening to the right people and paying attention to the right things. But I think, uh, you know, conversations like these and the space that you've created for those conversations is so appreciated and I think uh, is something that the world needs more of. So thank you for creating that space. Okay, a humble ping pong. Up, all right. I'll take that. You got me. <laughs> a humble ping pong. I think that's the only form of ping pong I have like any shot at. I'm terrible at it. Anything. Awful. Yeah. The, yeah the, ping it's pong the, it's is the, not the, my thing. Yeah, it's tough. It's there's a combination of wrist and hip that's just and but not too hard. I don't know. So anyway, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. let's talk about like we're, we're recording this in December. It's coming mm-hmm. up on the holiday season. Let's talk about Webflow and like its journey this year from a, yeah. a DEI perspective. Like what are some of the bigger t- takeaways you have and what things are, you know, would you say that you find that you take the most pride in? Whew, big questions. Um, okay. So I will start with the biggest takeaways. The first takeaway is probably not going to be a surprise to Mm. many folks, but I think that it's a lesson that we have to learn and relearn and learn and relearn. And that is that building and designing diverse, inclusive and equitable organizations is a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that um, there also is a seasonality to DEI work, which is that there are times when you push and there are times when you have to coast and rest and, you know, recuperate. And so I think that one of the takeaways after the past year is that if there is not a ton of urgency, if there is not a ton of, you know, work to be done right away and there are not a ton of fires to put out, that isn't an indication of the fact that things have gone wrong. That typically is just an indication that you have gotten things to a place where the systems are changing and adapting and they've adapted and they've changed and getting them to kind of, you know, get used to that new new norm and getting giving people space to kind of adjust to that. Um, I think it's actually evidence of things going well. I think on the contrary, I will also say when there are really difficult conversations happening, when there are fires, when there are, you know, um, when there is controversy, when we are getting really intense and challenging feedback or having a, you know, intense um, and heated dialogue about identity or belonging at work that people, leaders are like, oh God, this is something we have to deal with. This is a problem. And I think it's actually 
a really good sign that we have created a space where people, A, feel safe enough to speak up and B, feel confident enough that they will be heard and that things will change. They're willing to go through the motions of, of starting that conversation. So I will say, I think there's, there's, that's both of those things are good news. So I think that that's the first thing I've, I've, when I look back on the year that I've noticed is just that, you know, it's, there's times when you've got to push the agenda, you got to push people out of their comfort zones. There's other times where like things are happening across the business where you're hiring, you know, we're hiring many executive positions right now. And so it's not the time for me to get our executives in a room and force them to do some deep constructive thought on critical race theory and how they can apply that theory to their role as leaders because they are stressed and that's not the time to teach people and get them in that vulnerable space. So also just recognizing that you have to read the room sometimes with this work. And that is a is a tough pill to swallow for people who come from the social justice world who want to, they're pushing, pushing, pushing. That's part of what needs to happen. But I do think in the workplace, in order for this to be effective long-term, it is a matter of recognizing what energy, time, and resources we have available and what and basing the work off of that and trusting there will be a time when you can push. But there's also a really a lot of value in pulling back when you when it's not time to to push. Um, so I think that's the first thing I recognize. And I think the second thing is that it's uh, this next generation is going to make sure that DEI does not fall off the table as a consideration. And it is so refreshing to have people come into organizations who've just graduated and I mean, the expectations that they have for like how things work, what our leaders are saying, what people are doing. I mean, I'm, I feel like the urgency, you know, people are like, oh, DEI is going to be a buzzword and then it falls off. It's not. I mean, you know, like this generation is coming in and DEI is here to stay and it's going to, and it's going to be also the deciding factor for a lot of those folks as to where they go work. So um, I actually think the business case for prioritizing DEI is going to be made a lot stronger and more easily because talent cares so much about it and they are willing to join a company for it and they're willing to leave a company for it. So um, I think that uh, that is actually something I'm optimistic about is that it's no longer DEI leaders who are going to have to keep pushing the importance of this work. I think it's actually going to be the workforce themselves who are saying, more and more and more that this is something they care about and that they expect from the places they work and they will leave if they're not getting it. So that's another thing. What am I excited about? Okay, so that's that's one of those things that I'm excited about is is the uh, generation coming full force. Um, they're also all on Twitter, you know, got massive following. So uh, that's been that's been helpful for building their case. But I think what I'm looking forward to. I am looking forward to this holiday break to yes. rest and yes. genuinely try to reset a bit. Um, I mm. felt like this past year and these past two years, honestly, it's just we've been in such a reactive place and we've been just responding and reacting and responding and reacting. And I really do feel like the new year gives you a, a point at which to kind of start to think ahead 
in a forward and, you know, rather than kind of just responding and reacting is like, you get to sit there and think about, okay, let's not base what we're doing off of what's happening around us. Let's base it off of like what we believe is the most important thing to focus on right now, both personally and professionally. So I am excited for rest. I'm, I'm tired. Everyone is tired. I think like, you know, if, if someone is not anxious or tired, I'm worried about them. Like, have you been I don't know. Like, are they processing the world? Have you been? Yeah. Like, I don't know what kind of news you're watching or your Twitter feed looks like, but like the the fact, like if someone has gone through this year and is not tired and is not anxious, like they're either a billionaire who's like living on an Island or, (laughs) you know, they're oblivious to what's happening. So um, I think like everyone else, I'm just looking forward to spending some real time with family. Also spending some real time alone <laughs> away from family and sure. uh, yeah, just, just getting everyone on my team to, to the place where they feel a little bit more themselves and, and have a little bit more energy for the work. Yeah. You know, you, you, you mentioned, I, I'm going to go back to something you said about like this, this next generation, right? Like, I, I, cause my, my next question was going to, is more around like what you see, like the future of this space, mm-hmm. like as an industry mm. and, you know, I, I think about you know I was, we just had Audrey Blanche on from my Culture. girl. I yeah. literally just had a call with her, just a friend call. She's yeah, she's an, a real inner. She's a friend I met on Twitter. Proof that you can actually make one hundred percent real good friends through Twitter. Aubrey is one of my my people, my humans. The world's better from her. So shout out to Aubrey Blanche. Shout out to her. Aubrey Blanche. Shout out, yeah, definitely follow her. Um, and yeah, Aubrey's definitely one of my people as well. Um. And, and yes, agreed in terms of like being able to build an authentic connection through social media. So that being said, we were talking about the future and I was mm-hmm. I was thinking about like the, the, the implications of this, of the um, the political landscape this last decade and, and what that mean, may mean for the space. But something I, I didn't ask and didn't think about, and I appreciate you raising it is the also the implication of Generation Z coming into mm-hmm. this space, right? And like the, the pressure that they're going to be applying to executive leaderships, whether they're stressed out about it or not, mm-hmm. and their expectations, like the words you use, I mean, just their, their expectations of um, what they expect to be in place structurally and operationally, as well as mm-hmm. what they expect behaviorally, uh, what they expect, what they expect in terms of uh, what the what the organ what the companies they work for are going to be vocal about. Yep. You know, like those things are going to, and so irrespective of like almost irrespective of policy. Mm-hmm. Or or who who's holding presidential office, you know, there's going to be a clash yeah. between this future gener this this upcoming up and growing ever growing generation, um, and you know Gen X baby boomer and some sprinkling of millennial executive leaders. Like it's just not, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's just not sustainable. Like I think about you know I I think about like this this work and it feels like it feels like we're coming to a very slow collision and not even that slow, but like a collision between like white majority, Mm. um, you know, even, even white liberal, frankly, like white majority liberal or white, white moderate sentiments and like look seeking to not necessarily continue to engage or talk about race because there's fatigue on that regard. And then also just like genuine, anger and frustration and angst and a sense of righteous indignation mm-hmm. from historically marginalized groups and then like kind of coming like and and really clashing. Yeah. I'm curious like as you think about you and as you exist in this space, as you think about like the next handful of years, like 
what what do you like how do you how do you manage that because I, I know that i'm not the only person who like kind of just looks yeah. around it's kind of like like what does that look like for you to as you process those things if you process those things and then like as you think about what you're gonna do in this space if you still stay in this space yeah yeah, those are big questions. I do think it feels untenable right now when I think about the um, cultural divisions um, and this eradication of a truth, a common fun- foundational truth. And I think, you know, there are fair parallels and I think kind of unfair parallels that people draw between apartheid and the civil rights movement and the progress that's been made since or lack thereof. But I will say that, um, you know, studying race and ethnic studies in Cape Town in South Africa um, and comparing that to kind of my critical race theory studies in the United States, I see that what they, the foundation they created with that, with the Truth and Reconciliation Council was is something that we don't have in America. And I think it's something that we it, it's if we don't have a foundation of truth of what even it is that we are talking about um, and reality in that sense, um, I don't know how we I don't know how you find any common ground. I don't know how that is at all tenable between these groups who have fundamentally different beliefs because I don't know that we can ever find an agreement on what the world or what our nation should be um, until we're willing to at least get on the same page about what our nation is currently and how it got there. Um, So I will say that something I am thinking about is that you just talked about the fact that it just doesn't, you know, it feels like these, it's, a quick collision that's happening more and more and more where you're just coming to a standstill with these, you know, and you see that in families and relationships that like, you know, relationships can withstand a lot, but political divisions have ended relationships because it's untenable. Like the way that it's set up right now is untenable. So when I think about that in the space of, you know, technology and equity work, um, I will say specifically in business, because I think that there's also like the social impact, social justice, racial justice, criminal justice reform side of things that I, I can't speak as much to. But I will say that in tech and in business, um, I believe that businesses, that they're going to essentially have to it, it's no longer an option to be apolitical. And I think that's that was clear with Coinbase. That's clear with Basecamp that choosing to be apolitical is choosing to be political, but it's not on one side. That's, you know, you're, you're essentially saying we're not going by not being political, by not allowing politics into the workplace and qualifying that to say that, like, you know, how do who do you do, how do you define politics? And how do you do, if you if you're in a position where you're able to say this part of my life is political and this is personal, you have a lot of privilege. Um, but and you're probably a white man. Um, but uh, I will say that I think that businesses are and and especially with this new generation are no longer going to be able to that that's not an option anymore to be apolitical. Um, and I think it's also not an option to to not engage in the conversation because choosing to your silence speaks to your position on something. It speaks to what you tolerate 
And it speaks to if you are not silent, what you are, what you don't tolerate. So if you don't speak about injustice as a business or as a leader, you are communicating that you tolerate that. And I think that that's a new realm that we're moving into. Um, so it's not an if if we respond to this, it's a how do we respond to this. Um, and I've already seen at Webflow our leaders. You know, at first, I had you know I was I was helping every single leader draft every single response to every single shooting that was happening um, or every single trial that was ending in, you know, a very unjust outcome, whatever side it was on. Um, And now I can go out of office and unfortunately they've had so much practice with this that they're able to set like shoot, you know, draft something. I don't know how long it actually takes them, but they're able to draft something. I don't even need to review it and they can send it to their teams, the department, the company at large. And I think that, um, that is a skill that leaders are going to have to build in order to to survive in this climate and to succeed in this climate. So I think that's one thing that I'm I am looking forward to is what this means for the types of leaders that will succeed and the types of leaders that are going to attract top talent and the types of leaders who are effectively going to be able to lead through very uncertain times politically and socially and culturally, which is inevitable. That's going to be the, that's going to be the new normal is just uncertainty <laughs> um, and divisiveness culturally and politically. We're like, that's just the new normal. So we might as well like start getting like, you know, tech companies love saying they're agile. So time to get your agility on, you know, like break out the, the hula hoops are here, <laughs> um, you know, like touch your toes. So I think that uh, we will see more and more of that, which I'm looking forward to. And I don't know if it's going to be, you said personally, what does this look like for the future? You know, do I see myself in this space for a while? I think it's going to change a lot in the next couple of years. So I will say that if I, if the space stayed exactly the same and like the status quo of doing DEI work in tech was exactly the same now as it will be in five years, yeah. Um, as a black woman doing this work, I can't see myself doing it in five years. Um, I actually mm-hmm. joked with Aubrey Blanche that I think that the DEI role should be essentially like a rotational program where for six months you do the DEI work, then you switch, you rotate out, and then you go do some like project management content work to literally just like be able to just do a job and recover emotionally and spiritually. And Aubrey's idea was like, it, wouldn't that other, what if we just made that other six months just a sabbatical like can it just be a six-month vacation like why do we even have to do another job on top of the job we just did that's um, real yeah yeah so i think i don't you know i there are times where i literally am like i don't know if i can do this job for another week and it's not because of the work i'm doing the company i'm working at it's just because the nature of the work the nature of the work it's traumatic i mean it's traumatic yeah. because the your job is to surface all of the things that you have tried to, as a person of color, as a woman of color, as a queer person, as a disabled person, you know, that you have tried to convince yourself are not there because it's not tenable to work in an environment where you believe that you believe is built against your own success. Right. Acknowledging that is like, like even acknowledging that is like. Yeah. Yeah. People always talk about they're like, why do black people always bring up race? It's like, trust me, we do not want to. Like, it is not, we don't like talking about it. Right. Like, I don't like talking about it. And so the fact that like, you know, when it's my job to surface, like how is race impacting X? How is this disability stat, you know, how is disability impacting X or causing a barrier to X that, it's really hard, especially because we're not talking about products not working. We're talking about right. systems not 
seeing people and not taking care yes. of people. And 100%. you're also then expected to make the case, the business case to fix those systems. And your heart breaks when the fact that people are, they're not working for people isn't enough of a reason. That's not a case on its own. And so doing that week after week, after month, after month, like it's, it's hard and it's exhausting. And I think that the only way that it's tenable is if you take that side of the conversation out, which is the like, if this is important enough, if it just becomes a like, you know, given, like, how do we address this? You, you surface the, the problem, propose a solution, you know, we'll negotiate when and how that happens. But I think that the, if it happens conversation is what makes it difficult to stay in the space. Cause it's, you're talking about people so, and trauma. So. No, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. Right. I think about like any, like, I, I know like the sabbatical on thing was a joke, but I mean, it's, I think it's real. I think also it's like, what does it look like to take the role and, and take it and maybe add some other dimensionality to it. Mm -hmm. So you're not always thinking about like, you're not yeah. always engaging that maybe it's you connecting back. Like maybe it's like some type of hybrid product thing, or there's yeah. some brand or market, like there's other ways to kind of like, kind of like deconcentrating the, mm -hmm. it, it feels, it just like sometimes diluting it, feels, it a little bit, dilute, like yeah. it a little bit it, for the sake of like sustainability all yeah, the time. Totally. Cause like, yeah. you know, I, I talked, I, I can really only think of one person who has been like, in their DEI position or leadership mm -hmm. position for like a significant amount of time. And that's Danny over at Dropbox, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Danny Guillory. Like, every, like most folks that I talk to in these roles, they've been there like a year, maybe mm -hmm. two. And, and they're typically about to transition to do something else. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. go DEI somewhere else, whatever the case is. So um, this has been dope. Look, like I always appreciate having you as a guest. Like you have super dope, like just insights, thoughts, um, I'm excited about the work the Webflow is doing. Like any shout outs, anything at all, as we as you think about this past year and next year you want to get off and make sure we give you space for that. All right. Yeah. And then I have a question for you. I want right, to ask before we end, but I will ask do the shout outs first. Okay. Um shout out to my mom published a book on imposter syndrome and overcoming yes. imposter syndrome. Um, yes. And we actually just had a conversation on her podcast, the Composure podcast about- Link um, in the show notes. Yeah, link in the show notes um, about my relationship with her. She's white, I'm biracial, and my father's black. And uh, I identify as black, so that's how the world sees me and treats me. Um, and my mom and I have- we've had a really interesting journey as she's been writing this book concurrently with like her own racial reckoning and us finding the language to see each other and love each other and empathize with each other and, you know, break each other with some of the things that some of the truths of our existence um, and kind of come through that in a way that creates a lot more understanding. And I think that it's an example of why, you know, there is no, perfect way. I'm ahead of, you know, I'm a DEI leader and me and my white mother still have really hard conversations about race. So that's just mm -hmm. evidence that like there is no easy conversation about race. If it feels hard, that doesn't mean it's gone wrong. That actually probably means that you're talking about what needs to be talked about. So mm -hmm. um, shout out to uh, Composure Podcast, the book Composure, The Art of Executive Presence. If you're if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, who isn't struggling with imposter syndrome? Right. Um, 
the book is great um, on that. It has a whole workbook. Um, and then I will also just give a shout out to our team at Webflow. We're hiring a lot. And I will say that um, I have been with Webflow for almost four years now, which I think is a really uh, solid stamp of approval for the fact that, you know, I have a very low tolerance for um, organizations who kind of talk the talk but don't walk the walk. And I will say that I am very, very confident both in the fact that Webflow will make mistakes. We do make mistakes. We mess up. We don't always get it right. However, we put the time, money, and resources and energy into, into getting it right. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So if you are someone who is looking for an organization that is really mission-oriented and people-focused, webflow.com slash jobs. We would love to talk to you. You can also hit me up on Twitter, Mariah Driver. Um, can I ask you a question? Give it to me. All right. Um, what is a source of joy? What is something that is energy giving for you or yeah. joyful that you are going to do more of in 2022? I'm holding you publicly accountable for this, by the way. Um, and then what is something that is energy taking or traumatic or burdensome that you are going to let go of and do less of in 2022? I love it. Um, energy giving and joyful to me is my family, my wife, mm -hmm. uh, Candace, and my daughter, Emery. Um, and so what I'm going to be doing more of next year, is, and and I've been doing more of and I will continue to do more of, mm -hmm. is um, just spending time with them, right? Yeah. So investing my my energy, my time, my, my, my talent, my treasure, everything, investing f more fully giving of myself to yeah. them and really just blocking off my time and like dedicating time Good. to them. Um, what's energy draining, you know, for me and traumatic for me is, you know, uh, seeking the approval of folks who uh, may or may not really care about me. Mm. And right. And mm. so like when you say, when I say care, you know, you think care about you, that, that can be malicious. That doesn't necessarily mean it's malicious. It's most people don't care about you. Right. That's not, that's not, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, that's just that the honest really, truth. Yeah. Like most like, people like, don't like, care what you're doing. <laughs> I don't, like we're not, I don't get up and think about what yeah. you're doing every day. It's like, so, and so like, why why then are you overly so invested in like trying to get their approval or wanting them to see how much you're doing mm -hmm. um and that happens a lot especially like in working contexts or just you know um you know seeking reciprocity in spaces that you know are just not built to be reciprocal and so yeah. um yeah. so i'll be de i'll be dis deinvesting from from that that, that attitude that mindset so that i can be more full even when i'm spending time by myself but certainly mm -hmm. when i spend time with my family mm-hmm yeah, and like that validation needs to come from you, right? Not exactly. if you're if you're looking outside of yourself for validation all the time, you're gonna be on a long, tiring journey of losing, slowly losing yourself. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Um listen, Mariah, like thank you for being a guest. Thank you for holding me publicly accountable. Like check in with me I will. as you can next year and hold me accountable. I will. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you for having me. And uh, I I look forward to seeing 2022 Zach with more Candace and Emery time divesting in the people who don't care about you. And, you know, that's that's not a rude thing. Again, it's like most It's people, not a rude thing. It's just yeah, this reality. TLDR of this conversation is that most people don't care about you. So, and that's like, that's like a very good, you know, like if you're looking for an easy way to just like summary of this, cut the anxiety is like, no one really cares. So no one cares. It's no one okay. cares. Everyone's too tired and everyone everyone's too tired, be spending time insecure, exhausted. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's catch up soon. Shout All out right. to Webflow. Links in the show notes. Y'all will talk soon. All right.
Thanks for having me. Peace. And we're back. Yo, thank you so much to Mariah Driver. Thank you to Webflow for having this conversation. I'm really thankful, especially as we look at the end of the year. Listen, I said something at the end of the conversation and that discussion with Mariah that I really want to just double down on. People don't care about you. Now, that might sound like really harsh or like really like pessimistic or cynical. But like what I mean is. People don't wake up prioritizing your well-being. They're too busy prioritizing their own well-being and prioritizing the well-being of those like in their immediate circle. The average person doesn't care about your trauma, your hardships, because they're too busy navigating their own. Okay, and so like there's something really humbling about that. And also hopefully can help you contextualize you yourself like as you navigate the world for me I'll say um, who I struggle with like narcissism and um, just ego right like a lot of folks do I don't think it's like super rare I think it's a fairly common thing but the point is you know it's easy for me to personalize things or think that someone did something specifically to harm me When in reality, they were just not thinking about me. It was thoughtless. (laughs) It was thoughtless as it pertains to my well-being. Right. And so what do you do with that? What do you do with the reality that most people don't care about you? They're not prioritizing you in their day. What do you do with that reality? And, you know, what I think you do with that reality is you decenter yourself from everyone else's narrative. And you prioritize the things that are important to you. For me, things are important to me. Candace, my wife. Emery, my daughter. My siblings, my parents. And my close friends. The family that I've chosen. Right? Living corporate's important. And really the mission of living corporate, centering and amplifying black and brown folks at work. That's important. And so everything else is noise and shout out to uh, my friend Katie I'm gonna shout you out yes right I'm shouting you out Katie that's right I'm saying your name a couple times on living corporate what's up (laughs) but we've talked about this around like what does it really look like to emotionally boundary yourself and make sure that you're not you know getting distracted by noise and I think a good adulting hack is being really clear with what your mission and purpose is really being committed to what's important for you and then being committed to seeing the rest of everything else as noise. So as you go into 2022, frankly, as you go into the rest of your day, whenever you listen to this, make sure that you're strong on what's important for you and work to decenter the rest as noise. Listen, I appreciate you. Um, I don't know if I promote this enough, but you know, it's cold outside, right? And it's hoodie season. It'll be hoodie season for a couple months, really, frankly, depending on where you live in Houston. I don't know. I mean, it's been hoodie season for like maybe a month and a half, you know, but you know, for 
folks in the Midwest and on the East Coast, a lot of folks in New York listen to our podcast, listen to Living Corpus content in general. And to them, I say you're um, people in Baltimore. I listen to our, our show. So the point is, is that for a lot of our listeners, <laughs> Chicago, what's up? Um, a lot of our listeners, it's going to be hoodie season for a while. So make sure you go to livingcorporate.shop, cop a hoodie. I'm really proud of our price, right? I'm really proud of the fact that we priced all of our merch like for people who don't have a ton of money. Like we're not selling t-shirts for $70 and stuff like that. We're not really trying to hit a lick off of y'all at all. Like if you look at those prices, they're like, I'm going to say they're like almost like Target prices, right? Like, like the store. Like if you were to go to a Target, like they're very similarly priced. I think our hoodies are like $25, right? Like that's a pretty good price for a hoodie. And it's a quality hoodie too. It's not like, I don't know, like it, it can it can sustain some washings, right? You can like really wear this. I'm really proud of the quality of our uh, our content on our merch store. So make sure you cop some, cop a face mask, you know, as I'm Amarion is going crazy out here. Make sure you just take care of yourself. Again, self-care is important. Um, all that being said, five stars on Apple Pod. Leave us a review. If you give us four stars, I'm going to call you a hater for real. Like, give us five. I mean, come on. You've been listening to the show. Thousands of y'all listen literally every day. Okay, so <laughs> slide on the Apple Podcast and just give us some five stars. All right. Until next time, y'all, this has been Zach. You hear from me soon. I love you. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.